Thank you for joining us for this podcast of the Family Fellowship of Greenville, located in Greenville, Texas. If you'd like more information about our church, please log on to www.familyfellowship.us or email us at info at familyfellowship.us. Now here's lead pastor, Paul Blue. Good morning, everyone. If you have a Bible this morning, I want to invite you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Um, if you're a guest or someone that got here without a Bible, there's one in one of the chair backs in front of you, and you are welcome to use that. And if you do not own a Bible, then that one can be yours, and let that be a gift from us to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. So, um, Michelle, can I just use your name without it making you panic? Okay. It's a front row thing, right? So I'm just going to use Michelle's name because I'm going to give a hypothetical. So you're walking the streets of heaven one day and someone comes up to you and they say, Hey, aren't you Michelle from Family Fellowship in Greenville, Texas? And Michelle would say, first of all, you know, she would be a little caught off guard, right? But she would go, uh, yeah. And then they wrap their arms around her and say, thank you. I accepted Christ. And so did everyone in my family because you gave money to send a missionary to tell my village about Jesus. Now, how do you suppose that makes Michelle feel? And if we were to inject your name into that, how do you suppose that would make you feel? It was my first year to go to church camp. I was a fourth grader here at this church and we were going to Texoma Baptist Youth Camp. And uh, being the, the newbie, I didn't know the ins and outs of what you were supposed to do at, at junior camp. But I found out very quickly that after every service, what you were supposed to do was run as fast as you can to get to the concession stand. Um, so uh, we, after one evening service, we all, when they said amen, you know, like in, in what we call now big church, right? In big church, when you hear amen, that usually means what? Sit down, right? Because you're so somebody's praying to say amen. Everybody wants to sit down whether we're supposed to or not. But at, at junior camp, sit down meant run to the concession stand. So they said amen after the evening service. And me and all my friends, we ran to the concession stand to try to get first in line. And when I got to the window, now I wasn't one that, as a little kid, I didn't ever have a lot of pocket money. So I wasn't one that went to, you know, buy stuff a lot like that. So I got to the window and they said, well, what would you like? And I said, I want some beef jerky and a Coke. And do you know what they gave me? Coca-Cola. That's not what I wanted. I wanted a Dr. Pepper. <laughs> you with me? See, even when I was a teenager, uh, we would, you know, maybe see a friend and say, hey, you want to go get a Coke? But Coke wasn't what we wanted. Coke was just the, the term that we used. And then when you got there, you know, you ordered whatever drink it was that you wanted. But here's what has happened. Coca-Cola has handled their business so well that their brand became the identity for the entire soft drink industry. They set a goal to be known, to have the word, the name Coca-Cola, be known worldwide, and they succeeded, and they did so because they excelled at their purpose. The name of Jesus can do something that the name Coca-Cola cannot And it should be the goal of every follower of Jesus Christ to be a part of getting the name of Jesus to everyone in the world. And the process that God gave for that to happen 
is a partnership with other believers in the church, and it's called missions. And missions is the bottom line purpose of the church. And you should expect your church, and you should be a part of helping your church excel at its purpose. If any entity in the world should excel at its purpose, it is the church of Jesus Christ. The church should not be weak, it should not be powerless, and it should not be mediocre because the church is the hope of the world. And if you know Christ as your Savior, you shouldn't be willing to accept mediocrity in any area of your church or any of its ministries. And that means if we're going to involve uh, ourselves as a church in a particular ministry, we ought to do all that we can to make sure we do it well. Now, if you've been here very long, you know that we don't do a lot of different ministries because we don't try to do a lot of things so-so. We try to do a very few things well. You know, when, when someone, or if someone came up to you and said, hey, where do you go to church? And you would say, family fellowship. They would say, well, what, what's it like? I hope you wouldn't go, it's mediocre. There's a reason that we don't ask you to post this hashtag on your social media. There's just not like a real kick to that. That doesn't inspire anybody, right? Hey, you know, check in on social media. Hashtag living in mediocrity at FFG. That's not very exciting. And even if your church is mediocre and someone were to ask you about your church, you're probably going to lie for the glory of God. That'd just be my guess. Because no Christian who cares about the reputation of the church, the bride of Jesus Christ, wants to tell people that their bride is ugly. No one wants to say, well, my church, eh, it's meh. Nobody wants to say that. That brings the question, what kind of church do you want to go to? Do you want to go to a church that's mediocre? Or do you want to go to a church that excels at its purpose? And if you want to go to a church that excels at its purpose, then you better find one that has a strong heart for missions and one that will challenge you to have the same kind of heart. Jesus said this. We call these often his his final words in Matthew 28, 19. Go into the world, to all the world, and preach the gospel. In Acts 1, 8, he said, I want you to go be witnesses for me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We should not accept mediocrity in any area, but especially in our commitment to world missions. Now, when we talk about uh, strengthening our heart, we're obviously talking about a missions heart. But if we were to talk about just our physical heart, physically speaking, some here have stronger hearts than others here. Some of you, your heart is, is probably in better physical shape than others. Some of you, your heart is in worse physical shape than others. Now, here's a picture of a couple of hearts. One is a healthy heart and one is a damaged heart. Now, the healthy heart, the reason it looks the way it does and the reason it has the colors that it has is because it's been taken care of. It's, it's been exercised. It's, it's had the right diet. There's, there's been no blockage, excuse me, or anything like that. But the damaged heart looks like it does because there are some problems. That heart probably has had some some blockage, maybe some some cholesterol issues or, or whatever. And, and due to inactivity and many other things, that heart is not in very good shape. Our physical hearts are, are in all different stages of health. And the same is true of our missions hearts. Now, 
when you go see a doctor and he's going to give you, when you're going to see him for your heart, he's going to give you a certain test. And what they do is they, they put these little sticky pads all over you, right? And then the end of the pads, they got wires and they go to a machine and they put you on a treadmill. And then they, they get you to exercise on the treadmill while these, these little sticky pads monitor what your heart's doing, right? What's that, tre- uh, that test called? It's called a stress test. A stress test helps the doctor know the health of your heart so you can know for sure what kind of shape it's in. And there's nothing more stressful on the heart of the church and the individual Christ follower then when we talk about the relationship between our heart, our purpose, and our money. So in order for us to strengthen our heart for missions this morning, we're going to be given a stress test, if you will. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, uh, the Apostle Paul is teaching Christians about financial giving. And so I want us to start just by looking first in verse 8. He says this, I'm not commanding you to do this. But I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of other churches or other believers. Now, I want you to notice the first thing that he says there. As a matter of fact, I think probably some of you noticed it right off. Because Paul said this. He said, what I'm teaching you is not a command. Now, the next few sentences may blow some of you away. Because I'm going to just reinforce, I can't, there's nothing I can, there's no word gymnastics I can do to make you see this passage of Scripture and go, oh, he doesn't really mean that. Giving is commanded. And maybe that you've, in, in your whole life, you've been raised to, 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 you've been taught that giving is always commanded. But it's not. Don't commit adultery, that's a command. And if you break that command, that's a sin. Paul says financial giving, as he's talking about here, this is not a command. So there are times, folks, that if you're not giving, that it's not a sin. You're not breaking a command. And you say, okay, well then, why don't we just have the invitation to call today here? Because that's really the best part of a message I've heard in a long time. Because he doesn't finish there. He says, I'm not commanding you to do this. He says, but I am going to give you a little stress test. He says, I'm going to test how genuine your love is. By talking about your giving and comparing your giving. You see, if you don't give to missions, that in and of itself, it's not a sin. But it is a test of your heart. See, just because you don't give doesn't mean you're sinning. As a matter of fact, there are times that we we have um, what we call missions free will offerings. And it's because it's something that if, if God speaks to your heart about it, you give. And if God doesn't speak to your heart about it, you don't give. And if you don't, that's not a sin. There, There should be no guilt about that. That's not the way giving was ever designed to be. So if God hasn't touched your heart about it and you don't do it, it's not a sin. But, 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 
if God touches your heart about the need for people throughout the world who don't know about Jesus to at least have a chance, if God touches your heart about that and you don't give, that's a sin. Do you see what I'm saying here? So it's not a command. It's not an across-the-board command. But when God speaks to our heart and we go, no, thank you, Lord, that's now when we're crossing over into a sin. Because, you see, it's a test of our heart. Your giving shows whether the love that you say you have for God is authentic or if you're just putting on a religious show. You see, what Paul is saying here is, is your money shows what you really love. So here's where the stress test for our heart comes in. It says in verse 8 that we are to test our heart by comparing it to others. In other words, if you live in the same world with the same circumstances and the same economy as others, how does your giving compare? And you're probably thinking, well, I don't, I don't know what anybody else gives. And, and here's the deal. You're absolutely right. But, and, and that's okay because Paul's not saying that we're to compete with amounts or to compare with amounts. He's challenged us to compare our hearts. So while you don't know the amount that anyone else in any other church is giving or even in this church, what you do know is other Christians are giving financially for the church to excel at its purpose so that the message and name of Jesus can get to those in the other parts of the world so that they can at least have an opportunity to be saved. And those people that are giving, they're living in the same town as you. They're paying the same price for electricity, same price for gas, same price for groceries. Some of them make more money than you. Some of them make less than you. But they're giving. Because that's the kind of heart that they have. See, the the first question of the stress test isn't really how much are you giving. The question really is this. Are you giving anything at all to help people escape eternity in hell? That's why they call this a stress test. So how's your heart this morning? I want to share with you three things that may need to happen in our hearts. It won't be all three, but it's probably going to be one of these three things that need to happen in order to strengthen your heart for missions. The first is simply this. Some need to exercise a little more. In order to strengthen our heart for missions, some here today just need to exercise a little more. Uh, throughout this entire summer, my wife, Lynn, and I, we've, we've, uh, we've been really faithful at walking a couple of miles every day. But as the days have gotten shorter, we haven't done so well lately. So we're kind of in that, you know, that transition phase between walking outside and walking inside on our treadmill. And I would much rather walk outside. I don't, I don't enjoy walking on the treadmill at all. It's not any fun. It's work. But I know my heart needs it. And I was thinking how miserable it is and how you don't ever get anywhere and there's not like anything out there ahead. And my mind flashed back to Danny's message last Sunday. Remember about putting the carrot out in front of the donkey? Now I'm not comparing myself. Okay. But I'm thinking, you know what? It, maybe if I hung some hostess cupcakes right out in front of the treadmill, it might give me the motivation, you know, to keep, to keep going. But here's the deal. Um, here's what I found just about me. 
I have to set on the treadmill, I have to set either a distance goal or a time goal. And if I don't, I'll quit every time. I mean, I'll get on it and I'll walk for a while. But as soon as, you know, my shins start to hurt or my knees start to hurt or, you know, my, my heart begins to pound, pound really hard after 45 seconds, then I just like, you know, uh, man, I, I need to get off of this thing because this is going to be bad for me. Right. So I have to set a distance goal or a time goal. And here's what I do. On our treadmill, I don't set a distance goal. I set a time goal. And when I get there, I go one minute further. So I usually start, when I haven't been walking for a while, I'll start at 20 minutes and I'll do 20 minutes and I'll, you know, vary the speed and the incline, all that. And then the second day, I'll go 21. And then the next day, I'll go 22. See, I go as far as I can and then I'll add just a little bit more. And that's exactly what Paul says we need to do here in Second Corinthians. Look at verse 1. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1. He says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They're being tested by many troubles, and they're very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and did it of their own free will. So Paul's talking to the Corinthians about the believers in Macedonia. And he explains that, that, that they're not doing very well financially, that they're, that they're, they're struggling financially. He says, and, and, but they wanted to give. And so they gave as much as they were able. He says, and then they gave a little bit more. They exercised their heart for giving. In the same way that I exercise my physical heart on the treadmill. You see, in order to strengthen our heart for missions, we've got to exercise our faith of giving by trusting God to meet our needs. Some of you, you already, you give some. But maybe you need to exercise and give a little more. So for some... Your hearts just need to be exercised a little more. But for others, number two, some need to remove the blockage. Some need to remove the blockage. I'm sure that there are probably people here in the room and you've had blockage in your arteries. And, and you know what? That's not good. Um, so you've had to have angioplasty or maybe a stent inserted. And, and uh, here's the deal. Some Christians have some blockage in their heart for missions, too. And that's not good either. Look at verse 5. He says, they, speaking of the Macedonians, did even more than we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. And, and I really just want to highlight just a couple of words. First, they gave themselves to the Lord. The reason some Christians don't give financially to help a church excel at its purpose of getting the name of Jesus to all the world is there are other things that are financially blocking the way. These Macedonians, the Bible says they excelled at giving even though they were poor, even though they were struggling. And it says the reason they excelled was because first they gave themselves, they gave their hearts to God. 
which resulted in giving. Even when they had other things that they could have used the money for, right? They're in poverty. And when you're in poverty, there are things that you can use money for to help yourself maybe get out of poverty. And yet, these Macedonian believers, they excelled at giving because they wanted or they had already given themselves first to the Lord. See, the Bible says that we ought to give to God first, but people with blockage give to God last. See, what happens is, is, is so we get our paycheck and we begin to, to start, you know, working down the line. All right, this money goes to my house payment and this money goes to my utilities and this money goes to my car payment and this money pays the cell phone bill and this money pays the internet bill and this money pays the insurance bill and wow, God, I, I sure intended to give you some, but I don't have anything left. Or, or, or wow, God, I, I intended to, 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 to be a giver, but I, I've only got, I've only got five dollars left. Throughout scripture, and I'm not going to spend time on it. I, you can study your Bible, and those of you that have, you know that what I'm about to say is, is true. Throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New, it is made clear that out of the abundance of gratitude of our heart for what God has done for us, that we should always give to God first. What does that mean, practically speaking? Well, for many of you, this is like, this is so, woo, you're like, there's no way God really meant to say that, but I promise you he did. What it, what it means, practically speaking, is this. When, when you get your paycheck, if you've given yourself to God first and you want to help your church excel at its purpose of getting the name of Jesus to the whole world, instead of starting off with house payment, utilities, all that, you start off with God. This is what I'm giving to God first. And you know what sometimes happens? When you get down to the uh, uh, end of the list, you are out of money again. And you have to do without something sometimes. See, the, the, the problem with American Christians is, is we don't want to do without anything. Uh, you know, we, we'd rather us not do without whatever at the expense of someone else in the world doing without Jesus. And what happens is, is when we put God last, all that other stuff is blockage. And to strengthen our heart for missions... We've got to give to the Lord first to keep the blockage from building up. When we give to the Lord last, we allow our lives to get clogged with stuff, with pleasures, with things, and all that stuff we put first. It blocks the pathway to our heart, and it weakens our heart for missions. So, some need to exercise their heart a little more. Some need to remove the blockage. And third, some need a complete transplant. When the human heart gets really bad, this physical heart, when it gets really bad, there's no other option. Except to have a transplant. Exercise won't do it. A stent won't do it. Angioplasty won't do it. you got to start all over. 
you got to get a new heart. And the same is true with our heart for the Lord. And, and I know that there, there are sometimes people in the room who say, well, look, look, I, I come to church faithfully and I listen to the preaching and we're in a connection group and we bring our kids just because I don't give doesn't mean I have a heart problem. Let me just read to you Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 31. It says, so my people come pretending to be sincere and sit before you. They listen to your words, but they have no intention of doing what you say. Their mouths are full of lustful words and their hearts, their hearts seek only after money. You see, missions, this is what I'm trying to help you see in Scripture today. Missions is about our heart. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 21, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Paraphrase it this way. Wherever you spend your money, that's what you love. Is it wrong to love some of the other things? No, not at all. Uh, I promise you, I was loving the heat this morning when I got out of bed. I loved my utilities this morning. And uh, I'm going to make sure that we pay our utility bill. Um, we, Lynn and I went to go see one of our college girls uh, play volleyball in Oklahoma City this weekend. I loved that we had a car and we didn't have to ride a horse. And I'm going to keep making car payments and paying insurance and all that stuff. There's nothing wrong with having those other things. The problem is our heart begins to show what is most important and and. What happens is, is, is God and the things of God and the things of the church and the Great Commission just keep getting pushed further and further and further down the list. What does the test say about your heart for missions? If we buy our kids another PlayStation instead of allowing another child to find salvation... What does it say? If we buy more transportation before someone else hears about salvation, what does it say? If we go on an extra vacation instead of letting someone hear about salvation, what does it say? If we spend more on cell phone or Internet communication instead of helping someone find salvation, what does it say? Listen, there's nothing wrong with those things. The problem lies in the fact that we have money for those things. And then we say to God, I don't have enough money to help people stay out of hell. But here's the deal. Folks, it's not a money problem. It's a heart problem. Look at verse 7. He says this, Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. What kind of church do you want to go to? A mediocre church? Or a church that excels in fulfilling its purpose of getting the message and the name of Jesus to the rest of the world to keep people out of hell? With a lost world, with millions who still have not heard a clear presentation of the saving message of Jesus and many who have never even heard the name Jesus... Mediocrity is not acceptable. We must excel at the grace of giving. And I'm challenging us as a church 
to do that very thing. I want us to excel in the grace of giving. I don't want us to just be a church that talks about how much we love missions. And talks about how much we love missionaries. We've got a long history of being able to back up the talk because we've had a heart for missions. And I just think every now and then we've got to take a step back and take a stress test and say, All right, how strong is my personal heart for missions? Maybe you just need to exercise your giving just a little more. Or maybe you need to get the things that are blocking the way to your heart out of the way. Or you may need a whole new heart today. And what I mean by that is maybe today you just need God to break your heart. Over the fact that there are still millions of people who still have not heard about Jesus. And so maybe you just need a brand new heart today. But whatever it is, God has put together a, a plan of partnership in the local church where we partner together because we can do more together than we can do as individuals, to excel in giving, for that is our purpose. You know what? If you know Christ as your Savior, you're going to go to heaven. And you're going to go to heaven whether you ever gave a dollar to missions or not. But while others are having... People come up to them and wrap their arms around them and say, thank you. My whole family is in heaven today because you gave to send a missionary to my people. You'll be nothing more than a disappointed and embarrassed bystander. How's your heart today? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? I don't, I don't, I don't know about you, but I, I find myself. I'm just kind of, just kind of bearing it to you here. I think probably most of you will identify, but there are a lot of times in my life that I don't give even a second thought about the fact of how lucky I am. That the gospel is everywhere around me. I mean, honestly, I would have had to try really hard not to be saved. But not everybody in the world has that. And it is God's desire that all come to repentance. For God so loved the world, not just America. God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Romans chapter 10 says, but how can they believe on him if they haven't heard about him? And how can they hear Without a preacher, and how can someone preach to them unless they are sent?
I want us as a church and I want us as individuals to excel at the grace of giving. I want missions to have its place in our church and our lives, the place that it should have. And it is at the forefront of all that we do. Because Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. I want to give you a moment this morning. To just ask the Lord to speak to you about your heart. In your heart. Have you learned to love people and see their need for Christ? And if not, that's the first step we've got to take. So I want you just to take a moment right where you sit. Just you and the Lord. God, speak to me about my heart. God, speak to me about my giving. Help me to love people. Help me to care. Help me to have desire to make a difference for eternity in the lives of people that they can know about Jesus. Would you do that? Heavenly Father, I pray, first of all, for my own heart. God, I pray that you would always be strengthening my heart for missions. I pray for every individual here this morning. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would strengthen their hearts for missions. Lord, even as Steve mentioned this morning, there are things going on in the world today that are promoting the name of Jesus and drawing people to him uniquely because of the mission's commitment of this church and its people. But, Father, we cannot rest on things that we've done in the past. So I pray for us as a church Strengthen our collective heart for missions. There is no other way, no better way to leave a legacy that lasts for eternity than to be a part of reaching people to the ends of the earth for the name of Jesus Christ. So give us a heart to love people to desire to see them to come to know Christ as their Savior. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.